Thank you for listening to our podcast today here at Word of Life. Our prayer is that when you hear us talk, you hear the Holy Spirit speak. We want to make sure you know all about our new online campus. Visit thelifeonline.cc to find our brand new platform where you can find short messages on topics like prophecy, forgiveness, healing, and so much more. Each month, we release multiple new series for you to be able to grow in the knowledge of God and the Bible. So check it out at thelifeonline.cc. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. Father, we just thank you that you're here, Father, and we thank you that uh, when we take time to sit in your presence, Father, we are changed. We can't help but be changed. So, Father, I thank you that as we open up your word, Father, that you speak to us. Um, We thank you, Father, that your word comes alive. Help us hear what you have for us this morning. Help us receive what you have for us to receive. And, Father, we thank you that we just yield ourselves to you just to sit and have you speak to us. In Jesus' name, everybody said Amen. So uh, this morning, I just wanted to take a quick poll and just ask how you guys feel about leftovers. Anybody have good leftovers before? Maybe you have a favorite restaurant. Maybe when your family goes out to eat or you have a family gathering, you get your leftover plate before everybody else has gotten their, their first plate to make sure that you have the right amount of leftovers. Everybody say leftovers. And so when it comes to leftovers, you know, uh, in marriage, uh, my wife and I, I thought we had a rule on leftovers. Uh, so basically, uh, we went to Amerigo's. Anybody familiar with Amerigo's? Great restaurant, right? And they have some of the best leftovers. And specifically, what I'm talking about are the cheese fritters. Anybody have the cheese fritters? Come on. Praise God for some cheese fritters from Amerigo's. They're good. If you haven't tried them, you need to check them out. But uh, my wife and I, we went to go have lunch at Amerigo's, and we got cheese fritters, a large order, so we could have extra. We had a great lunch, and so we had cheese fritters left over. So not just one, but we had two, one for each of us. We had this rule. We got two cheese fritters left. It's going to be great. I can enjoy it. We can enjoy those later together. And so uh, we took them home, went back to work. That night we had service, and uh, after service, you know, service was good, but all I'm thinking about is those leftovers, those cheese fritters, right? I'm like, man, they're going to be good. I get to heat them up in the microwave. They're going to be great. And so uh, we drove separately, and I, I, I take off. Like, I, I go ahead and head home because I'm thinking about cheese fritters, and she stays, and she's talking. And so, you know what? I said, I'm not going to go ahead and heat them up. I'm going to wait, right? I'm going to be... I'm going to be the right spouse, and I'm going to make sure I text her and ask, hey, uh, is it okay if I just eat the cheese fritters? You know, maybe you're not in the mood for them, and I can have them. Let me just text you. So I text her. No response. I get a little bit closer to the house. You know, I'm I'm pulling into the driveway. I'm like, let me just text her again just to make sure, right? I got to do the right thing, because I could just go ahead and, you know, I got to do the right thing. So I text her again. No response. Gets a little bit more serious. I call her. I'm like, I just want to do the right thing. And so I call her and I'm like, uh, I, leave a, I have to leave a message because there's no answer. I'm like, she must be praying for somebody or singing or something. She's or talking to someone. She's doing something. So uh, I call, no response. I leave a message. I'm like, hey, uh, not an emergency. But when you get this message, just give me a call. It's, just, it's about the cheese fritters. So I get home. Walk in the kitchen, and I'm sitting there waiting on her to call me back. I haven't even gone to the living room. I haven't sat down. I'm standing in the kitchen at the counter looking at this takeout container of cheese fritters. And so I'm like, you know, maybe I'll just, like, pick mine. You have, anybody have favorites? You're like, I'm going to take that one. I want that one. So, like, maybe I can look at them and just pick the one that I want. And so I open it up, and I, I go to open it up, and when I, when I go to touch it, something doesn't feel right. 
So I go over it uh, and I open it up because, you know, we, we had two cheese fritters. When I open it up, I don't see two cheese fritters. When I open it up, there are no cheese fritters in this container. And I'm shocked because not only did she, we're both eating, but left the container there. And I had no words. It, I, I even made a video. I'm like, I made a video and sent it to her. I was like, I, I just have no words. Not only did you eat both cheese fritters, but you left the container there. As if to mock me to say you could have had them, but gotcha, you didn't. You may say, well, that's a little bit, you're, you're, you're overdoing them. No, these are cheese fritters. That were good. But, you know, it's all good. <laughs> all forgiven. I love her. We've had cheese fritters ever since. Everybody said leftovers. So today we're going to be looking at a story about some leftovers in the book of John chapter 6. And we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 14. So if you go ahead and turn there with me, we can check out this story together. Have you been enjoying this series so far? It's been a really, really amazing series. If you haven't got to check out part one or two, I encourage you to go back and check those out. It's just been a, a great light and a just just great series so far. Um, and as we open this up, um, I want to encourage you not to treat this like uh, maybe a movie you've seen multiple times or a TV show that you know how it ends. Whenever we open up God's Word, uh, He tells us that it's alive and powerful. And so whenever uh, we open up God's Word, I want you to expect God to speak to you, just like you expected God to move as you took time to worship a few minutes ago. So I just want to encourage you uh, to look at this story with fresh eyes, because we prayed a few minutes ago that this story would come to light, that God would make it come alive to us. So this story, uh, maybe you're familiar with it. It's the story of the, the two fish and the five loaves. Basically, Jesus traveled with his disciples. And so uh, he's traveling, he's preaching, he's healing the sick. He's, he's doing these signs and wonders and miracles. And he comes to this place where after he gets done, he has to kind of retire to rest and, and recover. But then uh, the crowds, they're just so moved by what he's doing that they follow him. So this is where we find one of those situations. And so we're going to be in verse 6, and I'm just going to read it all the way through. It says, After these things, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. A large crowd followed him because they saw the signs which he was performing on those who were sick. Then Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was near. Therefore, Jesus, lifting up his eye and seeing that a large crowd was coming to him, said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these may eat? This he was saying to test him, for he himself knew what he was intending to do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, for everyone to receive a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a lad here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are these for so many people? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in this place, so the men sat down in a number of about five thousand. Jesus then took the loaves, and having given thanks, he distributed to those who were seated. Likewise, also of the fish, as much as they wanted. When they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments so that nothing will be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. Therefore, when the people saw the sign which he had performed, they said, this is truly the prophet who has come into the world. Now, in that story, we see that there's a need and that 
there's so many people where the disciples are trying to figure out how they're going to feed these people. And Jesus uh, is, is asking them, hey, what are we going to do? This boy comes forward. He brings his lunch. And we see that this is a miracle that Jesus performs. But this morning, I just wanted to take a few minutes and, and bring to light three things that, that we can take from this passage when it comes to, to giving our utmost for his highest, when it comes to uh, radical generosity that I believe uh, will help us grow as followers of Jesus because here at Word of Life, that's our heart. So the, the first thing that I want to uh, just point out is the perspective of the disciples. Everybody say perspective. So... Jesus is doing something he did often when we, when we see this story. Jesus is always asking questions. Who do you say I am? Who do the people say that I am? And he's asking his disciples questions during this time so that not because Jesus doesn't know anything or doesn't know something, but he's asking them questions to teach them, to make them aware, to, to help them realize who he is so that, so that they can grow. And so in this case, he's asking them, you know, where are we to get food? In verse 5, he says, he looks up and he sees the people. And he says to Philip, uh, where are we to buy bread for these people to eat? And it's funny because when you look at this story, there are multiple accounts of this story from the different disciples that were there. So Mark took into account, hey, he was there, but he didn't hear, hey, uh, where are we to buy bread for these people? Mark heard, hey, you get them something to eat. And so Jesus is asking questions and we're looking at the different perspective of the disciples. But their answer is this. He says, Philip says, 200 denarii worth of bread is not enough for them, for each to receive a little. And Mark, he says, shall we go and spend 200 denarii on bread and give it to them to eat? And the interesting thing is, it's like they didn't say that we don't have anything. The response was, what we have isn't enough. So from their point of view, what they can see from their perspective, what they have won't meet the need. So when it comes to, to perspective, uh, one of the definitions is a point of view, the interrelation in which a subject or its parts are mentally viewed. Based on what I see in front of me and based on who I am, I make my judgment. Uh, I can remember going to, to the movies with some friends and, you know, it was just before the movie started. But then, you know, when the movie starts, it gets dark, dark to where, like, it's hard to see. You don't want to you kind of want to take out your phone, but you don't want to be rude. But we're in the movie theater and it, it starts to get dark, dark. When my friend gets up and he goes to, to use the restroom. So he comes back and, you know, the little walkway that's there when you see people come in. He came back and I'm, I'm looking at him and he's staring at us sitting down. And I'm staring at him and he's not sitting down, but he's just kind of staring and looking. And I'm thinking maybe something's going on, something's wrong. He looks and then he walks out. <laughs> he thought he was in the wrong theater. <laughs> he came back. He did come back. He had to do that thing, you know, where you go out and look like, make sure the time's right. But like from his perspective, he was like, I'm in the wrong place. So he made a judgment of I'm leaving. In the, in the disciples case, they looked at the situation in light of of not uh, who Jesus was, but who they were. You know, I saw this quote. It says that we don't look at life. We don't look at situations in light of of what they really are or, or who they really are, but we look at light in, in light of, or we look at life in light of who we are. And as followers of Jesus, we are not to look at things in light of who we are, but in light of who God is. So my question is, is like, is like what is your perspective? Is it, is it divided? 
Because it could be either, either be you're looking at life in light of who you are and what you could do. Or maybe you're in this place of I'm looking at life in light of who I am and what I can do in this area. These few areas over here, but I'm going to let God be God in these areas. But I, I, I can handle this. When as followers of Jesus, it should be, I look at my entire life. I look at every circumstance. I look at every situation. I look at everything that, that, that I am a part of. I look at my world and say, God, I'm looking at everything in light of you. Our perspective should be one where God is in focus. The second thing I wanted to look at is the, the passion of Jesus. Everybody say passion. So one of the things that uh, we all have in common is we all have different passions, different things that, that draw our attention, different interests, right? We, it may be music. It may be art. It may be, it may be hunting. It may be a TV show. maybe a TV series. Maybe Facebook. Maybe social media. Um, in my case, one of my passions, one of my interests is shoes. Anybody out there like a good pair of shoes? I know a few of y'all out there like a good pair of shoes. And it's not just to have shoes, but I love the, the story behind them, the, the inspiration, the design, and things like that. And so when it comes to one of my passions, it's, it's shoes, and so much so that I actually have a life group. Anybody a part of a life group out there? We have a life groups here. Um, but I'm a part of a life group that's called Scriptures and Sneakerheads. So basically, we, uh, we're going through a devotion, but we also kind of talk about sneakers because I believe it's a great source of common ground. Let me say there's nothing wrong with having a passion as long as that passion doesn't have you. So with, when it comes to this, it's like it, it's cool to appreciate those things and it's cool to open up for it to be a, a source of conversation. Because um, if you're if you like sneakers like I do, uh, whenever you see somebody in an outfit, you always look at what first? Shoes. Shoes. Everybody says shoes. <laughs> you look at the shoes first. and You're like, OK, all right. And in that way, I can compliment them or open up a conversation like what size you? I'm just kidding. But uh, just I can open up a conversation. And it's okay to have passions. But when we look at the life of Jesus and we want to grow, the ultimate goal being a follower of Jesus and growing as a follower of Jesus, when we look at his life, our lives should match that. And the beautiful thing about that is it's not, hey, once you become saved, once you, once you make a decision to follow Jesus, you have to look like this immediately. But, but we're changed as we take time to sit, as we take time to pray, as we take time to grow. We, we have the ability to grow as followers of Jesus. And one of the things that I would mind you to pay attention to is, is your passion. And it doesn't match the passion of Jesus. So in, in verse 5, we see Jesus' passion. It says, so Jesus, after raising his eyes and seeing that a large crowd was coming to him. In Matthew 14, 14, the same story from a different account from Matthew's perspective. He said, when he came ashore, he saw a large crowd and felt compassion for them and healed their sick. Mark's version was when Jesus went ashore, he saw a large crowd and he felt compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. When, when Jesus looked up and saw this, we see that multiple people were looking at Jesus and they were seeing what Jesus saw. They saw the concern on Jesus' face because when Jesus looked up and saw these people... He saw them as sheep without a shepherd. And the dangerous thing about sheep without a shepherd is, is that they're in danger. They're unprotected. They, they don't have a, a, a core source of food. They're in danger. And that's how Jesus looked upon on these people because he is the great shepherd. 
So, so as, he's looking, as he's looking at these people, we can clearly see that his passion was people. In Luke chapter 19, verse 10, he says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus' passion was people. And for us, it's like the question that I ask myself when I, when I look to grow as, as a follower of Jesus personally is like, do I see people like Jesus saw people? Do we see people as the church, as the body of Christ, do we as followers of Jesus, do we see people as Jesus sees people? You know, one of the things that Jesus did was he, he walked slowly through the crowd. And in a day and age where we have notifications coming from everywhere, do we walk slowly? Do we see people? Do we walk slow enough for the woman with the issue of blood to, to catch us? Do we walk slowly enough to see Zacchaeus in the tree? Do we walk slowly? And you know, this place where these people were in the story, where, where these people follow Jesus, you know, when you got up this morning, you probably didn't have to trek over mountains and go through hills and valleys to get here. You got in your car and you got to drive on a, on a somewhat paved, somewhat smooth road, few potholes. Um, you got here, right? There was, it was already laid out. There was, it was somewhat flat. But I had the opportunity to actually go uh, over to Israel with the family from the church and actually see some of the terrain where people had to walk and people had to trek through to get to these places where Jesus was. And there were no roads, there were no highways. There were hills, there were valleys. It was rough and rugged terrain. So much so as I'm, as I'm riding to these places when we were there touring, I'm like, man, these people had to have some amazing calves because like the place where they had to walk, it was just treacherous almost. But they did this because they knew what they, were, what they were after. They knew that they were pursuing Jesus. They knew that if they got to Jesus, they would hear life. They would get what they needed. They knew that they would, hear, that they would receive and see the signs, the wonders, and experience the signs and wonders and miracles that they had heard about. And so they would follow Jesus, forsaking everything, just to get, uh, get before him and to sit with him. And so in this moment, Jesus is looking up and seeing this happen. And he's seeing these people after walking, leaving their homes, bringing their families, bringing what they could, bringing who they could just to hear him. How fortunate are we to be able to hear the gospel, to be able to hear the word of God being preached just from from our phones. And so these people are trekking to get to Jesus. So Jesus looks up and he sees them tired. He's He's going slow enough to see that they're thirsty physically, that they're hungry physically, that they're tired physically. But Jesus doesn't just see that. Jesus sees that they're hungry mentally. They're tired mentally. He sees that they're tired spiritually. He sees that they're tired and they're hungry spiritually. And his heart is for them and he knows that he has exactly what they need. Do we see people like Jesus sees people? So Jesus is there and we see, and we see these people and, and in our lives, you know, that it's not just like during that time where people were hungry spiritually or hungry physically when they were coming to know Jesus. But like we have friends, like we live in this same day and age now where people are hungry spiritually. 
where they're hungry physically, where they're growing. In this, in this, I would phrase it as they were growing faint, about to pass out. And, and how many of you know you can tell when somebody's tired? You, you can tell when somebody's off. And our giving, our, our radical generosity, us being the church, being followers of Jesus, when we give, it keeps people from fainting. We know pastors, missionaries, friends, family who are spiritually tired. But our generosity stops that. The last thing I wanted to point out was the position of the boy. We got the perspective of the disciples, the passion of Jesus, the position of the boy. Verse 9, it says, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. Now, when I read that, I'm like, that boy wasn't found. Like Andrew, the disciple who brought the boy, didn't find the boy. I believe that the boy said, hey, I have this, this snack right here. I got this Lunchable, and I want to give it to Jesus. Because when it comes to kids, as many of you may well know, like kids don't always share their snack, right? I can remember living next to my cousins, and um, specifically, uh, they were twins. One of them come over to the house he would say one word, cookie. And I knew what that meant. We had Oreos. So I'd hand him one, and then I'd give him one for his brother. Then he'd go home, happy. A few minutes later, though, his brother would come to the house, and he'd say, hey, uh, can I have a cookie? I'd say, I-, I gave you one. Nuh-uh. I said, I gave your brother one. He said, nuh-uh. I said, okay. I said, here you go. Here's your cookie. A few days later, I was like, let me see what's going on. Because this happened like a, a few times after one after the other. So I said, I'm going to watch what happens. So sure enough, one day comes, the, the, the brother comes and he says, uh, cookie. I said, all right, here you go. He's like, what? He's like, what about my brother? I said, okay, all right, here you go. Gave it to him. So when I closed the door, I walked around through the house so I could kind of see. Because he, he would walk around the house. uh, back to his and so I looked and sure enough as soon as he got around the corner he took that first cookie (laughs) swallowed it whole and then before he got home he started biting on the second so not all kids share their snack but you (laughs) but you have this boy who who's aware of what's going on and Parents, I just want to encourage you in this moment that, like, although you, you may, that, that your actions and you living your life as a follower of Jesus, it, it's such an example to your kids. It does so much more than your words, but you simply following Jesus ministers to them more than you know. So this boy is sitting there aware of what's happening. He sees the disciples, the disciples talking, and he sees Jesus, and he sees there's a need. He sees that Jesus is looking at the people. How do we know that? Because he brought what Jesus was asking for. He brought what Jesus was asking for. So he brings his his Lunchable to Jesus, his best. That was his best. And when he brings it to Jesus, it honors Jesus so much because it's his best. 
he brings this sacrifice to Jesus because he saw what Jesus saw. And Jesus takes it, and don't you know sacrifice honors God? It honors God. And, and when he brought that sacrifice, because of what sacrifice is, sacrifice says, God, you over everything. My utmost, God, my best for your highest. And in that moment, that's what that boy did. He gave his best. We know that, and last week, Pastor talked about this, that while we give, we give because first we love God and it honors him. Second, we give because it blesses his kingdom and it allows his kingdom to be abundantly supplied. And third, we give because we see God's power. That's why we give. But that only happens when we give. How I many you know we're called to not just be hearers of the word? To not just be people who, yeah, I know we should give, but we're supposed to be what? Doers of the word. This boy brings his best and he honors God. So then when Jesus takes this bread. We see what happens. He takes the two fish and the five loaves. In verse 11, we see Jesus then took the loaves and after giving thanks, he distributed them to those who were reclining. Likewise, also the fish as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he said to his disciples, gather up the leftover pieces so that nothing will be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with pieces from five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. Therefore, when the people saw the sign which he performed, they said, this is truly the prophet who has come into the world. Um, I had a, uh, something I wanted to show you all real quick. Uh, maybe it sparked some, some memories, some nostalgia. But anybody remember these right here, these water bottles? Specifically when it came to like uh, the football field. Any football players out there, former football players? Football watchers, let me get a raise of hands. Okay, all right, you're there, all right. So um, when, when I see this uh, water bottle, it just reminds me of uh, my ninth grade year. Uh, instead of choosing to play football, I chose to be the team manager or the water boy. <laughs> Anybody ever seen that movie, Water Boy? It wasn't like that. It was not like that. Um, so I, I would... Uh, basically, find the cooler, fill the cooler, make sure it had ice, make sure they had Gatorade, make sure they had everything that they needed. Um, practices, and then I can remember games. I can remember taking time to try to find where the hydrant was and make sure that, you know, uh, the team had water and to make sure, like, after the team got to drink the water that they were, they were filled and to make sure that the, the bottles were pre-filled and then bottles would get thrown back uh, because the huddles were quick and then sometimes the bottles would come open and it was just like this whole ordeal. And the reason I, I signed up to be the, the team manager was not because I loved filling up water bottles. It was because I had friends on the team and uh, was able to connect and talk with them and hang out with them in between and after games. I just didn't want to get on the field. <laughs> I wasn't about that life. So, <laughs> uh, but as I, was, as I was doing that, you know, it shifted from, man, I have to do this to being connected with my friends who were on the field and I specifically remember one friend, his name's Chris, uh, man, he played with, with his heart. You know anybody like that? They play, they're all heart. Whatever they got to do, they got to run the ball, they'll run it. They got to throw the ball, they'll throw it. If they got to, they got to tackle somebody, they'll do it. And I can remember, uh, those huddles whenever, uh, they would take timeouts and they call for water, water. I can still remember it. And, 
I'd run out there trying to make sure everybody's good and being able to throw him a water bottle and being able to see him, being able to see him uh, just receive, to receive, to see him be able to drink, to see him be able to have the things he needs to be able to run. And stepping back after looking at that, it was like, man, it's like, I'm not just helping the team. When I supply this water, when I give, I'm helping the win. In the same way, when we give, we're not just giving to, to help those who are, who, are, who are out preaching the gospel, but are giving. It gets the win. That we're just as much as a part of people hearing the gospel as those who are out there. And so it's through our giving, just like that boy where, where people go from, from being tired to being full. Because if you read the story, they didn't, they didn't just eat, but they were full. They were filled. Can you imagine that boy? You just see him now after giving his gift to Jesus, giving his best to Jesus, looking and seeing not just one person be full, but row after row, section after section, group after group, and seeing these people not only get fed and seeing their, their, uh, their faces change, seeing them get energized again, seeing them change and seeing them experience the power of God all because of that one gift. And how awesome it is to be a part of a house that is such good stewards of what is given, that is such good stewards of the radical generosity that we get to be a part of, where we get to see video and, and, and read letters and receive updates and actually sometimes hear from the people that, that are out there that we get to support. It's the same way that that boy got to see that happen. But all that happens because of you. That happens when we give our best. What that boy did that day is he took his position. Because the interesting thing about that is, you know, he wasn't the only one with something. He was just the only one who gave. The disciples, they had 200 denarii. They said, what we have isn't enough. And a lot of times the lie is that, well, does my giving really matter? Yes, it does. Because at the end of the day, it's about honoring God. And our passions matching what his passion was. So will you take your position to partner with God? Will you say, God, you know what? My best for your highest. Because when we take our position, just like that boy saw, we see God's power in a way that can't be denied. How beautiful is not just to talk about it, but to to be and experience what happens when we give. The seat you're sitting in now was a result of radical generosity. Maybe, Maybe in this place you came to know Jesus. And the place that, and because this place was where you came to know Jesus, this place was built because of radical generosity. And we get to be a part of that. 
And so just three ways that we take our position. I know for me, this is just something that, that helps me as well. The first is this, is I pray for perspective. And it's simply, God, help me see things in light of you. Not in light of me, not in light of what I can do. Help me see things in light of you. And the second thing is this, I pray for the body. I pray for the lost. Why? Because you develop a heart for who you pray for. And how many of you know uh, our passion should match that of Jesus? And, and the third is, as I partner with God, I take my position by giving to a local body. Everybody say partner. Uh, will you pray with me real quick? Father, we just thank you for, for you. God, we thank you for the position that you allow us to take part in, Father, to see you move, to see your power work. And Father, I thank you, uh, just as Paul prayed, I thank you that you give each and every person here a spirit of wisdom and revelation and a knowledge of who you are and how much you love them. And Father, I just thank you for, for clarity and light, to see life not in light of who they are, but in light of who you are. We just thank you, Father, for your love. Give us boldness. Help us see. Help us walk slowly. In Jesus' name, amen.